This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Edwin Bajomo with the Word of God. Let us pray. Um, Father God, we come to you, our Saviour. Father, you are the one who will do the speaking. I will just be the medium. And I pray that the message today that we will all hear, we create great excitement about seeking more of God's grace in our lives, in Jesus' name. Please bear with me if I'm a little bit excited today. And it's because of the subject team that we are looking at. Grace matters. And for me, I will say this, it's one of the most important messages we have to listen to. Not only listen to the message, embrace it, not only embrace it, then practicalize it in our lives. That is, apply it. Why do I say that? Now, some of you may say, you're always saying, oh, this message is one of the most important messages you should listen to. Maybe I've said that before, but I'm really serious about this because of the great impact and consequences of this whole subject of grace matters. Because one, it has impact on our successful relationship with the Lord. Not only that, it has consequences when it comes to executing God's agenda for our life. Not only that, it helps us in our effective Christian life. But more importantly, it has eternal consequences. And that's why we need to listen carefully to what is being preached around this subject matter because of the great impact and consequences. Now, many of you will agree with me that this whole subject of grace is mind-blowing. And that's why when our senior pastor started off this sermon series, he said, who can understand grace? And I don't know whether some of you have taken time out to think about that, to say, I can understand grace. I would say enlightened Christians who have received the grace of God and who are applying it in their lives will understand grace. You see, grace is described as the unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of sinners. We can't dispute that. And the divine influence operating in individuals for their one, regeneration, two, sanctification, three, seven, the purposes of God. And I want you to think about that. Is the divine influence operating in individual to help them out in their walk with God? Some people say grace is the free is the is God's favor freely given to people who don't deserve it. I like the way Wayne Grundy, the British theologian, puts it. He said that grace is the goodness, especially shown to those who do not deserve it. We don't deserve. God's grace, but God in his mercy bestowed his unmerited favor upon us. And the moment that we profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we have access to grace. His grace is upon us. Amen. Now, if you got your Bible, please turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. Romans 12 from verse 3 to 8, I read. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, 
form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. I read that again. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. My second text, and you don't need to turn to it, is from 1 Corinthians 15, 10, when Paul says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. May God bless the reading of his word. You see, theologically, the, the true expression of grace is one, salvation, and then two, enabling grace. And in the context of grace matters that we are looking at as a church, we are considering the enabling grace. That is that grace that helps us, that thing that comes upon us, that gives us the power, the ability to achieve great things for God. That's the one we are focusing on. And I pray that you will grab it. You see, enabling grace is the power and the ability provided by God to, for believers to enable them accomplish good works. He has prepared for them in advance. And so we Christians, we believe, according to Philippians 2.10, that God has prepared good works for us in advance. And the grace of God upon our lives help us to do that. Not only that, it's the provision of inner resources that enables believers to do extraordinary things. Now, simply put, without grace, we are ordinary. But with grace, we are extraordinary. That means we can do things that normal people cannot do because of the grace of God. You see, we are able to achieve these great and mighty things of God. Not because many of us are geniuses. Not because we can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Not because we can pray and fast for 40 days and 50 days. It's all by the grace of God. Now, I'm not negating the importance of these spiritual exercises. Of reading God's word. Of praying and fasting. Of seeking his face. But what makes us to accomplish great things for God is his grace. And that's why when my brother... Um, um, Pastor George spoke last week. He said, it's all by his grace. And I want to say this from the onset for every one of us who are serving in ministries in this place. We have over 32 ministries at the All Nations Center. We should know that we are all operating under grace. That we are able to do the things that we are able to do by the grace of God. We are not that special. But we are people who are extraordinary because of the grace of God upon our life. And from the text I read, it says, every then gives different according to the grace that is given to us. That means the grace of God releases gifts in each and every one of us. And so, every one of us, whether you're young, whether you're old, through the grace of God, great gifts have been released into your life. And, and this is such a spiritual concept that Paul wanted even all the other churches in the first century to hear, he went to Ephesus and said the same. He said, but each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
And so we have this enabling grace. If we have this enabling grace, then it is incumbent on us to be what? To be people through which God's grace will flow out. And so I've tied to my message, my sub-theme, conduit of grace. Are you one? Conduit of grace. Are you one? Are you that person that God's grace is flowing from you into other people? Now, I've got one objective, and it's very simple. To encourage us to be conduit of grace and to embrace all that comes with it. Mark that. Not just to be a conduit of grace, but to embrace all that comes with it. And may God help us. So, what does it mean to be a conduit of grace? Can I say this? Being a conduit of grace is not automatic. I did say, I'm not contradicting myself, that as we believe in Jesus Christ, grace of God comes upon us. Yes, it's a fact. But to become a conduit of grace, to allow that grace to flow out on you, is determined on you and me if we accept that responsibility. So if I have something that can bless people, I could decide to use it or not. I could choose to bless them or not. That's what we're talking about. And I pray that we all will come to that place where we can be conduit of grace. And so, if you say you are a conduit of grace, the first thing you must ask yourself to answer that question, am I a carrier of grace? It requires us to be carriers of grace. And that's why I always see Paul the apostle as one of the examples of a man who was a conduit of grace. That's why he said in the text I read, I am what I am by the grace of God. That means he knew he had this grace in him. He knew he was a carrier of grace. Yesterday I was opportune to be um, on the platform for the Saturday morning prayer. After all that we have said about grace, as we're about to leave the platform, Pastor Saki said, we have to be carrier of grace. Hallelujah. Are you a carrier of grace? Are you carrying grace inside of you? Hallelujah. Hear what Paul said as well. He said, look, he labored more than all the other apostles. Now, if you heard that, you would think he's boasting. Is he boasting? No. He wasn't comparing himself with them. All he was doing was just to show that, look, I am able to do more than them because of what? Because of the grace of God in me. He was magnifying the grace of God upon his life. This man knew he had grace. And that's why in Galatians chapter 2 verse 9, he talked about the fact that when John, Apostle John, Cephas, which is Peter, and John saw, he said, when they saw and perceived the grace of God upon my life, then they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. That means when you are a carrier of grace, it is visible. People can perceive it. Are you a conduit of grace? Are you carrying grace? And this grace that you're carrying, can people see it? Can they perceive it when you're around them? That was what Paul said. That even, you know, uh, Apostle, uh, Paul was not rolling with the other apostles, but they were able to see in his life that this man is carrying grace. So as the conduit of grace, we become the vessel that God will use to bring ministries into life. Now, there's one thing to be a carrier of grace that you know, yes, I've got this in me. The second thing to really know that you are a conduit of grace is that 
you are a dispenser of grace. Hallelujah. Let me read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. This is Apostle Paul writing. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus, for you Gentiles, if you indeed have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So Paul was able to articulate to the people of Ephesus that, look, I am here speaking to you. I am here ministering to you because of the grace which was given to me. But not only that, I am dispensing that grace to you. And we must come to that place that we become the outlet, the medium, the vessel, the channel. Through it, God's grace flows into people around us so that they can experience the grace of God. So that they can experience the ministry from God. So that they can experience a turnaround to that situation. So that they can experience mighty breakthroughs and transformation in their life. That is why we have to be conduit of increase. You see, I don't understand my Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. He could have done this with angels. But God has chosen to use us, individuals, to be the conduit of grace. Because Jesus still has work to do. He said, greater work shall ye do. That was what he told the disciples. He said, go ye into the world. He said, go ye into the world. You go and do the work for me. And he has given us that grace. And he wants that grace to be dispensed into people around us. So, we are carriers of grace. We are dispensers of grace. And the third one is, we are spreader of grace. And so, if somebody asks me, are you a conduit of um, grace? I would say, I carry grace. I dispense it. And now I am a spreader of grace. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.15, what Paul said. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, hallelujah, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. That grace, having spread to what? Many. That tells me that grace is not only for the leaders. Grace is not only for the sectional leaders. Grace is for each and every one of us, both young and old, so that is flowing through us we are spreading it and as a result many people are starting to give thanks to god for his glory now if time has permitted me i will have asked us to go into acts chapter 19 and read the chapter and then you will see what god can do through a man who carried grace who dispensed grace and spread grace this was apostle paul but i would just read verse 19 it says acts 19 verse 19 also, many of those that had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them. And it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of Lord grew mightily and prevailed because of one man that eat a city. It changed and transformed that city. Those who were into aquatic practices brought their charms, their books, into the city center and did what? They burnt it. Because grace was flowing from this man. As a result, the Bible says, the word of God grew in that town. And so God has many opportunities for us to be dispensers of grace. And for me, this breaks my heart. Because God has given us many opportunities to be conduit of grace. We always try to restrict it to the church only. No, we don't have to do or be conduit of grace in the church only. We can do it outside the church. So in the church, we are conduit of grace. Number two, in our family situation, we are conduit of grace. 
We have people letting grace flow through us into other family members. Can that be said of you and I? That we are people in our family that grace is following from us into other family members. What about in our communities? Some of us are engaged in community activities. Are we allowing the grace of God to spread through us into our communities? Not only that, in our workplaces. Are you a conduit of grace in your workplace? That you are allowing the grace of God to flow through. There was somebody I was engaging with last week and they said that they don't know what is happening, but now they think God has sent them to their workplace to be a minister because people started sitting down in front of them, pouring their hearts, their issues and their challenges to this person. I've met people at work who are totally discouraged. They want to resign. They want to go. And you sit them down, you talk, you allow grace to flow from you into their lives and then things are changed. Always look for those opportunities, please, my brothers and sisters, to be a conduit of grace. What about our place of learning? Young people in university, secondary school, colleges, God has placed you there as a conduit of grace so that grace can flow from you into the lives of young people. Can I say this? Maybe parents, you don't know. Many of our young people are going through challenges. Am I right, young people? Because we think that because you have provided everything for them, roof over their head, you are paying for their university education, they don't have problems. They should not worry about anything. They've got issues. And young people see yourself as a catalyst, as an outlet, as a channel through which God's grace will flow into those lives around you. Conduit of grace. I want to read a quote from this British theologian, Wayne Grunding. He says, when gifts are used for one another in the church, God's grace is thereby dispensed to those for whom God intended it. That struck me. That means there are people amongst us that God has intended his grace to flow into their lives. And God is asking you and I to be the conduit through which his grace will flow into their lives. It then goes on to say, great blessings will come to the church through proper use of spiritual gifts. That means the gifts, the ability God has given to us, when we use it, hallelujah, when we become conduit of grace, great blessings will come to the church. Hallelujah, let's move on. So, manifestation of grace. What do I mean by that? I want to say that from the text I read in Romans chapter 12, Paul just gave us some examples of where the gift that we have through the grace of God can be used, can be displayed to impact lives, can be used as an intervention into somebody's life. And I want to say this, that thousand and one things that we can do to cause God's grace to flow through our lives and bring about a positive and practical change. But let's go through this. Number one, prophecy. He mentioned prophecy. And the good thing about Paul was that when he was listing these gifts, he didn't just say prophesy. But he gave us the degree at which we have to do them so that they can have the right impact in people's life. So he said prophesy. Then he said speak out as much faith God has given you. Speak according to the faith God has given you. I don't know whether you've been around this place and for the benefit of those joining us online, our prophecies are online now. We came to church and parents are discouraged about children, the situation of, of young people. And the prophecy of God came and said, look, pass the baton on to them. I have not finished with them. They are coming back to be leaders. 
aren't you encouraged as a parent to hear them? Sometimes you can come to church and you are down and downcasted. You are despondent, you are dejected. And then you just hear God's word say to you, hallelujah. Be encouraged, I am with you. Yes, there are lots of darkness around. The economic situation, the wars are everywhere. And God said, look, I will shine the light. Hallelujah. And I will guide and lead you. You are encouraged. And, and that's somebody using themselves when they prophesy as conduit of grace to encourage. The Bible says prophecy is for what? The edification of the church. So prophecy. Now the next one, serving others. Serving others. And then he says something. He said, serve them well. That is the degree at which we have to serve. Now some of us serve haphazardly. We serve anyhow. But Paul is encouraging us that as we serve God, when we serve God, we're not here for transactional business. God, if I serve you, you must answer all my prayers. No, that's not how we operate with God. But we serve God and we serve people well. I like that picture that we've got there. You know, just imagine that if that man just dropped the plate in front of the people, the hungry people queuing up, the homeless people queuing up. How would that be? But he says, serve them well. He's serving with a smile. We must serve with a smile. Amen. Secondly, he talked about teaching. He said, if he's teaching, teach well. Thank God for Pastor Sam when he was doing the child dedication. He gave the parents charge. He said, look, you have to teach your children. So why do we think that teaching is only for church? We can teach in our homes. You know, I've been opportunity to attend parties of we were mothers who were clocking 80, 81, 90. And when the grandchildren comes to give tributes, they will say, I thank God for my grandmother that taught me how to do this, taught me how to pray, taught me how to do God's, read God's word. So that means the teaching role is outside of church as well. And if you believe God has given you the gift, the grace to teach God's word, don't wait till you are called on this platform to do it. Go to your cell churches. Go to your prayer groups. In our act ministry, we need people that can teach the young people. In the Sunday school, we need people that can teach the people. If you teach, teach well. I like this one. Encourage others. Oh, how we need people that will encourage us. When people come in contact with us, are we encouraging them? Do they feel encouraged when they leave us? When people come in contact with us, do they feel encouraged when they leave us? I like this. It says, um, this was Paul speaking in Ephesians 4, 29. He said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Are the words coming from us imparting grace to the hearers? Are you a conduit of grace? Are you an encourager? And are the words coming out from our mouth imparting grace? I pray that we will get to that level. To tell you the truth, if you are that kind of person, people would like to be around you. Not those who spill negativity. Not those who spill curses. People run from such people. Giving. Paul said, when you give, the degree at which you give, he said, give generously. Give generously. And it's not only money I'm talking about here. It could be our talents. It could be our time. But listen to what uh, Apostle John said in 1 John 3, 17. But whoever has the world's goodies and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? 
you've got it, the world's goodies, and you see somebody in need, and you're shutting your heart against them. And sometimes you don't need to be told that this person is in need. Let God guide you to give. Let God guide you to bless. Even James put it bluntly in James chapter 2, verse 16. And one of you says to them, he's talking about when you see somebody in need, he says, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, my brother. Be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? You've seen somebody in need, and because you are a Christian, you say, may the peace of God go with you, brother. Amen, come on. It doesn't make sense. And that's why James was challenging the Christian that let's be practical. Somebody has come, shared something with you, and you know, I'm not saying give everything. I'll tell you a story. One of our brothers, even he's an elder, he was at the door, you know, as usual, greeting people. And he greeted this brother and said, hope everything is okay. And the brother gave the Christian answer we normally give. What's the Christian answer we normally give? And bless and Oliver, all is well. And then the guy took some few steps and then came back to this elder and said, guess what? All is not well. He said, all is not well. And he poured his heart. Okay. And the brother said, no problem. I will call you later. And what this brother did was that he called other brothers. I said, look, this person needs help. I know we can't meet all his needs, but let's do something. And they did something practical just like that. That's what we are talking about, about giving. Yes, maybe you've assigned that money for something you wanted to use to buy your nice clothes and stuff. But somebody is in need and you're not working naked. You've got a lot of clothes. Give. Give. You know, sometimes we come here saying, oh, the church. As you can see, the church is beautiful. People who came here when we had an event on the 30th of September said, this place is beautiful. And we say, please give towards the building fund. Please give. You've got it. God has blessed you. And so if truly you're a conduit of grace, you'll be a giver. I'll leave it there. Leadership. That's a sermon on its own. Grace to lead. But he said, take the responsibility seriously. If you are a leader, and when I mean leader, not only church leader, not only sectional leader, some of us are leaders in our home. Some of us are leaders in our workplaces. He said, we should take it seriously. It's a serious business. And we need the grace of God to help us lead. Go and ask our leaders. They will tell you that they need the grace of God to lead God's people. And then finally, Showing kindness. These are practical things I'm talking about. He said, when you're showing kindness, some versions say show mercy. He said, do it gladly. Are you the kind of person that shows mercy? Are you the kind of person that shows kindness? How we need that. I'll tell you a story. I was in a train one day and some young people came in and there was this old woman and people were telling one of the young girls to stand up. And this girl went into a rant and attitude display. She was never going to stand up. And anybody who told her to stand up, she gave it to them real good. So I stood up. I said, Mom, come and sit down. And I said, they are very young. They can be maybe year nine. Can't they stand up for five, ten minutes? Kindness. Kindness. Let's show kindness. Let's be merciful. That's how we show that we are grace. We are people that carry grace, that dispense grace and spread grace. Hallelujah. Now, I've been talking so much about the practicality of what it takes to be a convict of grace. And I want to be serious because as preachers, we're not salesmen. You know what salesmen will do? They will tell you the great things and the beautiful things about the product, but then all the negative bit, they will keep quiet. 
I'm not like that. We have to tell you the truth. And so the question I have for us is this. Can you stand to be a conduit of grace? Can you stand to be a conduit of grace? Before you answer that question, let me just read um, some few texts here. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. This is Paul. You know, I told you, Paul was my example of a man who was a conduit of grace. He said, but we have these treasures in earthen verses that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of force. Well said. Then he goes on to say, we are at press on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaking. Struck down, but not destroyed. And if you go to the same second Corinthians from 11. Now, I don't want to go into that, but here you will see what Paul did from about verse 23 to 30. He started listing the things that has happened to him. The amount of times he was flogged. The amount of times for the sake of the gospel he had shipwrecked, that he was left for death. When he was sick, he had fever. All because what? It's a conduit of grace. Now, this is the reality. It's not easy to be a conduit of grace. It requires sacrifice. Can I tell you this? Sometimes it may elucidate jealousy, envy, attack, criticism. You know, when you've given your all and people come and still criticize you. I don't know, many of you may have, let me give you a simple picture. You've labored, you've tried, and then a family member needed financial assistance and you, you struggled to send that money and they came back and said, is this all you can send? You've worked hard in the church to organize a program and people will come and still criticize you for all your efforts. It's hard. It's hard. It's challenging. It got to a stage in Paul's life when he was in prison. Paul said that people are preaching just to spite him. They will say, who made him an apostle? He was not even with Jesus Christ. But you know what? I like this man. He said, we are not crushed. We are not. He didn't give up. And you know, some of us have walked away from ministry because of what people have said. Because of the criticism we have received. Because of the attack. I want to encourage you today. Please go back. You are a conduit of grace. Somebody needs that grace to flow from you into their lives. And so this is what I would say this. Remember, God's grace is sufficient for us. Remember that. We will never run out of grace. Number two, God is able to make his grace abound towards us. We can never run out of grace. And you know, uh, it was beautiful yesterday at the um, prayer meeting. Please, if you can make it Saturday morning, it's on the Zoom. You know, the pastor took us through hymns where they had the line or words grace. And that was this particular one that I like. He said, grace will complete its work. Hallelujah. Grace will complete it. So that means even in the face of all these challenges and criticism, grace is still working. And grace wants me to be a conduit of grace to lives. And so I cannot give up. And then finally, God is able to, he said, God's grace is available for us when we boldly approach the throne of mercy. Jesus Christ is seated on the throne of mercy. So when we boldly approach that throne, he said, we can find grace and help 
in time of need. Therefore, let's not give up serving God and being conduits of increase. So let me bring this message to an end. There is no denying the fact that we need people who will be conduits of grace. You see, God has enabled us as believers. He has deposited something. Every one of us have a measure of grace in us. Young people, God has a measure of grace in you. And that gift, that ability God has given to us, he wants us to use it to touch people. You see, we are expected to be, to be conduits of grace. That means we carry grace, we dispense grace, and we spread grace. And as we do that, I pray in the name of Jesus that there will be a mighty turnaround in people's lives in Jesus' name. I pray that people will start to experience breakthroughs. People will start to experience um, a transformation. Do you know this? This just dropped into my spirit. Hallelujah. Do you know that I need you to be a conduit of grace? Because when that grace you have flows into my life, it could be about a transformation in my life. You need me to be a conduit of grace so that that grace that flows from my life can bring about a change in your life. Hallelujah. And so let's be conduits of grace. My prayer is this. Based on this message that we will desire to be conduits of grace. That we will desire that God's grace will flow through us into other people's lives. And I pray that we'll start looking for opportunities to be conduits of grace. You know, Pastor used to, Pastor actually used to, have you done an act of kindness this week? Let it not be a question, let it be a way of life for us. That we are looking for opportunities to be a conduit of grace. I pray that you've been encouraged to seek more of God's grace. Energized to be a conduit of grace. You are emboldened to grow in grace. And I pray that as we all do this, lives will be changed. Please put the next slide there. We are to be conduits of God's grace, not collectors. Again, this was mentioned on a platform yesterday that some of us just collect grace. We collect, we collect, but we're not letting it flow. Please, brothers and sisters, let it flow into other people's life. So this is the challenge. Conduit of grace, are you one? Don't answer that question. Do you want to be a conduit of grace? If your answer is yes, please stand. It is incumbent on us to take up this challenge. Hallelujah, Lord. It's a responsibility to be a conduit of grace. It will require sacrifice. It could cost us our time, our money. Spending time in the presence of God for more grace. Let's carry this grace out. Let's dispense this grace. And let us spread this grace. I want to say this as we are standing. Just close your eyes. Failure to act as a conduit of grace renders the grace of God upon our lives in vain. Let us be like Apostle Paul who said, the grace of God in my life was not in vain. Open your eyes. I want us to read this together. Let's read together. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Let's say that again. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. And finally, let's say this together, please. Next slide. 
I am a conduit of grace. So pray for yourself and bless God for making you a conduit of grace. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. You just listened to Pastor Edwin Bajamo of the Apostolic Church All Nation Center in Kennington, London. Our address is 13 Tyres Terrace, Lambeth, London, SE11 5LZ. Call us on 020-7820-9917. Find us on the web at www.apostolic-anc.org. The All Nation Center, reaching out into the community in practical and caring ways. 